0: Hi there. Are you looking for stories that'll make you think, that's fucked? Well, do we have good news for you? Welcome to That's Fuck, a bi weekly podcast about fucked up things that people do and nature creates. I'm your host, Melissa. And I'm your host, Corey. This week, Corey talks about how you can get
1: a yeast infection. And Melissa completely ruins the episode.
0: Sorry, guys. So, Corey, what kind of story do you have for me this week?
1: I am actually going to talk to you about the uh, history of birth control.
0: You love birth control. like I do love birth you,
1: control, like a lot.
0: Are you going to tell me like those advertisements were like, oh, she's a satan leathern birth control using woman girl.
1: I love that ad from the 50s. It was my iPhone background for the longest time. I know. I thought I it was also it. hilarious. It's not <laughs> my current background because my current background is Tia and Dan. Uh, but I still have it on my phone because I just can't get rid of it. I love it way too much. Whoa. It's the very first, like, photo on yeah. my phone.
0: You should definitely just have that as one of our Instagram posts.
1: Maybe, yeah, that's what I'll put up for uh, the, the, like, post for Instagram for this episode. Great. Whatever it drops.
0: And I'll, it'll I'll just have to be get an
1: Instagram. That picture, you do need to get an Instagram. You need to follow us on Instagram. And, like, okay. well, participate. Maybe you should just tell me
0: about birth control instead of lecturing me.
1: It's popping on Instagram, okay? We have so many people who are really excited about our Instagram. <sighs> oh, God. And by so many people, I mean, not that many people, but they're most deaf the coolest people. Okay.
0: Shout out to the coolest people.
1: Shout out to the coolest people. Those who follow us on Facebook are also pretty cool people because – you know we're we're new, and it makes For me feel so. a little warm and fuzzy inside whenever I get a new notification that's like somebody else likes you on Instagram or on Facebook, and I'm just like, "Ah, yes, tell me about birth control already." Oh, okay, this was your idea. I know I love birth control though, so it's fine okay so in ancient times, uh there were a lot of really ridiculous forms of birth control, as one would suspect. The first considered like documented form of birth control is actually in the Bible in Genesis, which you know uh-huh. gets everybody excited. Uh no, which is the, the pull out method. Oh when Onan, who sounds like a barbarian, ejaculates on the ground uh to not follow father a child by his deceased brother's wife. You heard me correctly. He screwed his deceased brother's wife. I know. Upstanding. Yeah, that's a thing. Was it my rant of my
0: romance novel that like really kicked you into doing this? It was like I just suddenly text you was like, always use a fucking condom. Like I just I can't, I can't, I can't.
1: I wish I could say yes, but no, I forget where I was. Okay. But sometimes I just have the random reminder of this next point that I have that it just pops into my head at random occasions because it's so barbaric. So in Egypt They mixed honey, sodium carbonate, and crocodile dung, and then inserted it into the vagina before sex as a form of birth control. So So that just pops in my head every so often. I can go to the store. I can go into my cabinet, get out my honey. Mm -hmm. Well, this is more for you. No, crocodiles are not. Nope, they are not native to our side of the world. All right,
0: so I'll have to go on Amazon, get me some crocodile dung. Get some honey and some baking soda. That's fine. To shove up my vagina. I would have the worst yeast infection.
1: Basically, yeah. So it actually probably increased the likelihood of pregnancy due to the change in pH. Oh. (laughs) Because it made it more of a hospitable environment for sperm than less of a hospital environment for for sperm. Plus, that's just gross.
0: Yeah. Was it like? I don't want to ask it, but I'm going to ask it. Was it, like, dried dung, or was it, like, hot and fresh?
1: I don't know. I would assume that it was liquid to some degree, because putting, like, a dried patty or something up there sounds awful. Like, it sounds worse than a tampon.
0: I'm upset. (laughs) I got, like, weird shivers. Okay. Can you... (laughs) Not talk to me
1: about that ever again. I I mean, it pops up in my head from time to time just randomly, so I probably will. Moving on. Upset. Continue. (laughs) In China, concubines would be prescribed a mix of lead and mercury to drink, which by itself just sounds terrible. Are you
0: trying to kill her so that way she dies instead of getting pregnant?
1: I mean, or just like
0: make her crazy.
1: Both, maybe. So, por no it, los dos. yeah, no Dose. It causes ster- uh Words are hard. Sterility. It makes people Uh-oh. sterile. Okay. So I guess that's a success on some fronts, but it also causes brain damage, kidney failure, and uh, you know, like death. Yeah, so. just you know, slight like death. Run of the mill side effect of death. Though I feel oh, for women in China in, like, the 10th century, death is a run-of-the-mill side effect of life. Really, for everyone- Sad but true. Really, for everyone in the 10th century, death is just a minor side effect of life. <laughs> yeah. No so, comment. in Greece, there was a gynecologist named Seranus- that said women should not have sex during menstruation because he thought that was whenever they were the most fertile, which is just false. It's when they're least fertile. But this is the guy who also said that women should hold their breath during intercourse and then sneeze afterwards so the sperm can't enter the womb. What? (laughs) because you know a good sneeze pushes back out the sperm and tells them it's a no-no zone no all right
0: you should never have taken the title of gynecologist you are the whitest man to ever have manned
1: i mean technically he's not white he's greek
0: but he acted like such a white man
1: you're not wrong so in 10th century Persia, they prescribed jumping backwards seven to nine times, which were considered magic numbers after sex, to dislodge sperm, because that's how that works. Like jumping backwards.
0: Oh, just like jumping backwards, not like back onto something, because I was like, are they doing backflips into a fucking like lake or something? Or just like just falling backwards on the bed?
1: <laughs> I mean, or that just- would be funny.
0: I mean why backwards? You like if you really thought that was going to work, you could just do some fucking jumping jacks to like wiggle it out of there.
1: I don't I don't know. I assume uh they assumed like some sort of like hike position like in football, you know, where the guys are like all squatted down on the ground and just like jumped backwards like a uh, uh like a dog The moment is gone. Like a yes. very dumb frog.
0: Yes. we are not in the groove today
1: i mean we're in a groove it's just not the correct one all right what else can you horrify me with yeah of course in middle ages in europe which we all know was an excellent time for women they advised tying uh the testicles of a weasel to your thighs or your neck as a talisman against pregnancy you know, nothing scares away babies like weasel balls.
0: <laughs> you know, so this is getting tied to the woman, right?
1: Yes, of course. When you said tied,
0: my immediate thought was like, oh, we're going to tie something to him to make it so that way he can't do the thing. But no.
1: No, that was logical. And we're talking about the Middle Ages in Europe.
0: <sighs> right. I keep applying logic to things.
1: I need You're to learn. You're doing me. <laughs>
0: I, sometimes you just cannot try to apply logic to anything, turn that part of your brain off and just go with it.
1: Exactly. So although there were a lot of these ridiculous ones, there were also some that kind of worked and weren't ridiculous and or would kill you. The mm. Egyptians didn't do everything wrong. They had a spermicide made of acacia gum. What's that? It, it's a type of like plant, like a tree. Okay. And so they would use the sappy like gum from it Mm -hmm. to basically kind of act as a thing that you inserted into the vagina and it made the pH more hostile to an environment that sperm could survive in. That's what a spermicide is, is it just alters the balance of everything going on to where sperm can't survive. Great. Great kill him. So, that worked for the most part. And uh, there was a cave painting in France that shows what seems to be a man wearing some sort of condom.
0: Ooh. Well, it didn't they they used to like use like um some type of intestine to wrap around the junk.
1: Exactly. So, in legends that go back to 3000 BC, King Menos of Crete, who is considered <laughs> the son of Zeus and Europa, used goat bladders as condoms. So they would strip it of all the the juicy, yummy stuff inside and basically, like, dry it out and blow into it like a balloon and then put it on their dicks.
0: Gross. There's so much about that that I just
1: had no verbal response, just a lot of facial expressions. You did have a lot of facial expressions, but, you know, it's better than pregnancy at that point. It sure is. (laughs) Because heaven forbid we reproduce. I mean, yeah. I don't want that shit. No one wants that shit. A later European doctor named Gabriel Fallopius, which Fallopian tubes are named out of. That's immediately where my brain went. Yeah, of course, the part of a body that belongs uniquely to a woman would be named named after a man. Yeah. Yeah. Great. He suggested a linen version of a prophylactic, so like a condom. Uh, After there was a gigantic syphilis outbreak in the 1500s, like, everybody had syphilis, and everybody was going crazy. So he was just like, maybe we should wrap our dicks in a thing. Here's some linen.
0: Here, just take this piece of cloth to wrap around your dick. It won't Mm -hmm. feel as good, but, like, maybe you won't catch the syphilis.
1: It'll be a little bit more difficult for, you know, to get the deed done, but, you know, you won't die, so... Trade-offs. It's a, it, you, you gotta make compromises, I guess. Yeah. And speaking of compromises, Casanova claims that he invented a version of the cervical cap by using a partly squeezed lemon during sex. So again, this kind of works like a spermicide and something to block Uh-oh. the opening of uh, the cervix. So it would be a like partly squeezed like circular cut lemon. Uh That would get inserted into the vagina. And so since it's very, very acidic, it would change the pH of the vagina and it would block the entrance to the cervix from sperm. And if they got through like any crease in it, it would be so acidic that it would kill them. Wait, what?
0: Yeah. Good God. So he was just like, here, I'm going to shove this lemon up your vagina. Yeah. I'm going to have sex with you. Hopefully yeah. you won't die.
1: And um, I mean, you, you wouldn't really pregnant. die, but it probably hurt. I mean, I haven't shoved a lemon in my vagina, but it would probably hurt.
0: I suggest that no one shove a lemon
1: up their vagina. I mean, same. Yes. Like, but we're talking about like when Casanova was alive, which was close <sighs> to the 1500s, if not in the 1500s.
0: Guys, just don't. Shove food in your vagina. If you can eat it, probably don't put it up there. Yes. That's all I'm saying. Yes. All right.
1: But he's also said to have used a condom like prophylactic, but most scholars think that this was protection against disease, like the lemon version, not lemon, linen version (laughs) of a condom that was suggested by Gabriel Philopis. So really, it was just to protect his own dick, not, you know, the ladies.
0: So what if he had just done, like, the linen thing, but, like, doused it in lemon juice wrapped around his dick and then went for it?
1: I mean, I would think that might work for a time, but the problem there is that eventually the acidity of the lemon would be canceled out by, like, the pH of the vagina, I think. And it wouldn't really, like, count. It wouldn't work as well. Like, it would slowly be balanced out to a not-so-hostile environment. But by putting the lemon wedge in front of the cervix, like, it had to encounter a shit ton of acidity before it got to where it needed to go. All right. So it's like crashing into a wall of fire in your little sperm spaceship. Gross. (laughs) Uh, So modern times, by modern, I mean anything past, like, industrialization. Okay. In 1844, which was five years after Charles Goodyear invented the vulcanization of rubber, rubber condoms became a thing, and so did cervical caps. Were they comfortable? Probably not, considering – does not sound comfortable. They likely weren't lubricated at that point in time, Good which God. is a bad time for everyone. But the U.S. being the U.S., cervical caps did not catch on for several years. We used condoms here, but not cervical caps. That seemed like a lot.
0: Like, you got to get it up there, and then you got to get it out. It just sounds like a lot of work. So much work. <sighs> Heaven forbid we do work. I hate work. That's the U.S. for you. <laughs> we will do the work if we can get the money. Yes. But we won't be happy about it.
1: Yes. Okay. (laughs) Diaphragms caught on a lot faster in the US once they became available, like six or seven years after cervical caps became a thing. And uh, in the US, they were called womb veils. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That face.
0: Uh, No. (laughs) My womb veil. You're like, hey, baby, you got a womb veil?
1: Yeah, that's how you talk dirty in the eighteen hundreds. You got a womb veil in. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) So as all of this was becoming popular, of course, someone had to ruin it, and a post inspector named Anthony Comstock began basically just being an asshole and being like, "This is obscene. We can't talk about you know these kinds of things. It's terrible." And in eighteen seventy three. The Comstock Act became a thing which banned the spread of information about contraceptives, and even by doctors. So, like, even your doctor wasn't able to talk about any sort of contraceptive to you because it was considered too obscene for public- You know what? This man's too obscene. Why do I have to listen to his fucking thoughts? Because it's 1873, and he's a man.
0: Oh, yeah, he's got the magic penis. The magic magic penis. He's in charge of everything.
1: Yes. Only magic
0: penises can have any say on anything.
1: Yes. So for a while, this was standard until the early 1900s. And in 1914, Margaret Sanger, who is the woman of the century, Mm -hmm. coined the phrase birth control in a newsletter called The Woman Rebel, which I most likely would have written for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And been super here for. But she was indicted for breaching the obscenity laws under the Comstock Act. And she fled the country to avoid a trial and prosecution. Because she most definitely would have been found guilty and would have been super in trouble. At what point did the Comstock Law just go the fuck away? A long time. We'll get there. So in 1916, she came back. And she was like, "Fuck you! I'm opening a family planning clinic because I am the badass bitch of the century." And it was shut down in <laughs> a week and a half, though. That's fine.
0: Well, fun fact: there is like literally a Planned Parenthood like a sh- three minute walk from me. Yeah, I was like, it's right by the theater that I'm working at. And I'm just kind of like, don't worry, guys. There's a Planned Parenthood right by me. Well, that's necessary with this theater. <sighs> Ooh, well, let's not go into that. <laughs> Step away from you know, that and talk about something else.
1: No, you know, like sexual health is a thing. And people who work in the theater are very sexual beings usually. Walk so. away from it. Walk <laughs> away from it. Especially actors from Just my Walk experience. away from it, Corey. Just walk <laughs> away
0: from it. I'm not getting into that. I have no say in the matter. Walk away from
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's some juicy gossip I'm missing that has happened during showtimes times. And you will not learn because I don't want it to be on this podcast. Okay, so she then five years later founded the American Birth Control League, which would become the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. Woo-hoo! So she's the founder of Planned Parenthood. And then they never had an easy time since then. Yes, because the Catholics got real. And they were just like, fuck you guys. And in 1930, Pope Pius IX made every sperm sacred by declaring birth control a grave sin.
0: Why is sperm sacred? Because, you know, here's the thing. If we talk about Lee Lou Blonde real quick and how, like, you know, sperm is like the potential for children. Every, like, masturbatory ejaculation is just, like, abandonment. Therefore, men should not be masturbating
1: and wasting that sacred sperm. Yes, but they're men, so they can do what they wish. No, their sperm is sacred. They're not allowed to masturbate. A sperm is only sacred if it has anything to do with a vagina, clearly, because the vagina is at fault.
0: No, if anything, the fucking egg is sacred because it's the only one that can really create the life.
1: And then women are doing an illegal thing every month whenever they have their period.
0: There is no winning, okay?
1: (laughs) There was no sense in this argument. You would
0: literally have to try and change a female's body.
1: Yes. (sighs) Yep. I'm upset. (laughs) Yes, same. Me too. So even though Pope Pius IX made every sperm sacred and said all of this, birth control still kept becoming a growing industry and was booming because people didn't want to have babies if they weren't ready to have babies because it's a big deal. just wanted
0: to have some sex without the possibility of there being a child and then having a shotgun wedding with somebody that you just clearly didn't want to be with, but they were hot and you were like,
1: damn, I'd touch that. Yeah, I mean, you know, people were really being responsible by saying, I'm not ready for a kid, so I'm gonna (laughs) do this thing.
0: I'm not ready to be shackled to this motherfucker, but damn, do I want to hop on that.
1: Yeah. That's how that goes. Yeah. So (laughs) after this and a lot of American industries realizing that birth control was kind of like a big deal, even though birth control uh, was super hush-hush, they started advertising common products as having a feminine use. Which was basically coded language for being a form of birth control. And so many household items became advertising this feminine use and became very, very dangerous douches during that time. Oh. Yeah, such as Lysol. Lysol touted itself as being able to protect married happiness. That was like the direct quote from the ad that it could protect your married happiness. So that way you didn't have to deal with a child. Yeah. So it was basically saying you don't have to have babies if you use us and make the the guy all stressed out because you have more kids and you're going to stay happy because everyone knows that, you know, children make life more complicated was pretty much what they were saying. And Mm -hmm. so women began douching with Lysol, which is exceptionally dangerous It just sounds painful. Yeah, it it does sound painful. It could cause them to be sterile. It could also cause a lot of reproductive side effects. It can also cause a lot of issues just with your pH balance. It can cause issues with your urinary tract, such as UTIs, things like that. It was a bad time because also during this time, it became a common thought that Coca-Cola also could be used as a douche to stop pregnancy. And later research actually proved that it could kill sperm, but it couldn't kill them fast enough. So it worked as a spermicide, but it took a very, very long time to kill the sperm. And it was too long for the sperm to actually, you know, not do anything. Instead, they would just reach the fallopian tube and do their do their deed. So, like, what if it's like a half dead sperm, but it makes it to the tube anyway? I don't think like half dead works. I think okay. it just like kind of like slows down and it okay. doesn't go anywhere. I think That's how that goes. I'm just picturing squiggly sperm and I'm set now. <laughs> well,
0: <sighs> yeah. I'm going to have weird thoughts when I go into work today.
1: Great. I'm so excited. Please share all this information with your coworkers and let them know they can listen to the full podcast this coming Monday, which is tomorrow. Oh, it's raining. No, it's not. Well, you're in another state. It's raining here in Florida. Well, it might be
0: raining up here. I don't know. I can't really look at the window. It's like up there and I'm looking at a mountainside.
1: Well, if we get thunder as we are wont to do, I apologize for thunderstorm sounds, but I don't think it's supposed to thunderstorm. I just think it's supposed to like rain. Thunderstorm noises are good. I don't think it would be upsetting. Uh, Yeah, but they're not necessarily great for podcast. Unless it's like setting the mood for some sort of story podcast. Fair. Which this is not necessarily the one that is enhanced by thunderstorms. Maybe the last one with the urban legends would have been great. We did not plan accordingly. We did not. I should have looked at the weather. Oh,
0: fun fact. There is a vent right above my bed. And when I looked at it, I immediately thought of the Gap Girl, and I went, "Fuck you, Corey!" <laughs> <laughs> that was the only one that I remembered.
1: well, uh, let me <laughs> remind you that <laughs> you, you didn't
0: and it wasn't until like I listened to our podcast episode and I was like, "Oh yeah, all these other toilet people. Nope, it was Gap Girl who got me."
1: that happens for me it was uh the one that was like the the teke teke but in the bathroom and that one fucks me up gap girl just always fucks me up because that is she's literally anywhere there's a fucking gap anywhere like your
0: shower drain, that's a fucking gap she's down yep. there she's so there like- watching you she's just she's just like okay so back to birth control <laughs> Has been completely derailed.
1: Hard left turn back to birth control. So after all of this happened, in 1937, birth control finally became legit. There was the ban lifted on the obscenity law for birth control. Although many states still had laws against the use of contraception, you could just talk about it now and not, you know, go to jail. Ooh, talking about
0: the birth control and not ending
1: up in the jails. Yeah, that's a big step because it went from 1873 to 1937 that you literally could be jailed for talking about it. That's a long time to just be jailed for something so simple as being like, "Hey, do you not want to have children right now? Maybe that's not a great idea."
0: Yeah, my brain is just slowly shutting off, trying History's to reject all to women the prudeness and men's delicate sensibilities.
1: Yeah, masculinity is very sensitive and fragile. That's why we're so aggressive about it. Yeah. And every sperm is sacred. I'm just going to keep saying that because I love Monty Python so much and it just gets the song re-stuck in my head.
0: I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: You've never heard every sperm is sacred? Insert here. Every sperm is sacred. Every sperm is great. If a sperm is wasted, God gets quite irate. Oh, God.
0: (laughs) Jesus, fuck, Corey.
1: It's wonderful. So I'm glad now whenever you go back and listen to this podcast again, you can hear Every Sperm is Sacred Well, Well, now that you've experienced that and get my reference to every time I say every sperm is sacred, and I have inserted the clip previously for other people to experience, let us continue. (sighs) Okay.
0: Guys, you're gonna hate it, but maybe you'll find it funny, but I absolutely hated it.
1: I'm sorry you hated it. I think it is the best. (laughs) I mean,
0: also, like, the logistics of, like, having that many kids, like... One, how old are you? Two, are you literally constantly cranking them out? Are any of them doubles?
1: I mean, I feel like that's the idea, is that they're constantly cranking them out because every sperm is sacred. I would literally hate to be that woman. Because you're just living your life pregnant. The good news is that woman was played by a man, so... it's true. (laughs) All right, what other... Fun facts you have about. Yeah. For me. So finally in the 1950s came around the pill. Oh, finally. Finally. So in 19- the 1950s, a progesterone pill was developed by Yams by a 20 something scientist in Mexico City named Carl Jurassi. And I could have totally pronounced that wrong because it has a D and a J together. And Lord knows my white ass has no clue what to do with that. It's true. No idea. So at the same time that this was a thing in Mexico City, Gregory Pincus, which I also don't know what to do. I'm assuming Pincus, P-I-N-C-U-S, assuming, began developing a synthetic hormone and found that it suppressed ovulation in animals. And then after he found this, the gynecologist John Rock began testing this on women but it wasn't until 1956 that the FDA finally approved the pill for menstrual disorders, since birth control use was still illegal in most states. You could talk about uh, it, you just couldn't use it for birth control.
0: It's not so birth control, it's just to, like, really help those cramps.
1: Yeah, And And also
0: help control the birth, but don't talk about it.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Doctors would prescribe it for, like, people who had extremely heavy periods or had, like, really bad cramps or irregular periods. It's just a lot of women started reporting that they have all of these things because the women found out that it is a form of birth control. So they were just saying, hey, I have these awful cramps. Uh Please prescribe me the pill. (laughs) Yes. And doctors happily did because doctors very enthusiastically supported the idea of family planning and birth control. They just couldn't say that they did. Yeah. So it wasn't until the 1960s that the FDA, in fact, the year of 1960, that the FDA approved a contraceptive pill called Invo Inovid, Inovid, called mm-hmm. Inovid, um, as an actual form of contraceptive instead of just for menstrual cramps. So, then the Supreme Court struck down the ban on contraceptive pills in all the states. So, all the states had to give in and let people use contraception. But it was only for married couples. No. So, if you weren't married and couldn't get your husband's permission, you were shit out of luck.
0: Well, that, like, literally makes no sense because if I want the pill to help control my heavy flow,
1: like... So you could get a pill described to you for menstrual disorders, but you couldn't get a pill described to you as contraceptive if you weren't married. They do the same thing, but okay. Yes. So a lot (laughs) of people were still like getting around. Of course, there were people who were more naive about it, like teenagers and uh, young adults and stuff like that who didn't know this workaround or hadn't Mm -hmm. necessarily been told this workaround. So rashes of, like, teenage and young pregnancy were still, like, a big thing that were happening because those people were most likely not to be married and uh, were most likely to be less educated about this kind of loophole in the system. Okay. But in 1972, finally, the Supreme Court struck down the idea that you had to be married and had to have your husband's permission, and it became free for birth control to be used by everyone. And in doing so, it became much more safe for women to seek this form of family planning and uh, women could then freely and without like having to have really ridiculous like backstreet abortions and stuff like that, seek a form of family planning for themselves, even though they weren't married. Backstreet abortions.
0: Those are like the most terrifying things. Really
1: though? (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. I'm not going to go into that on this episode because I have already spent so much time going through this very, very long history of birth control. Uh, yeah. But they are absolutely terrifying, and I probably will revisit that at a later time because that's something else that I am okay. super terrified of and passionate about. Like so. it's just horrifying.
0: That's like the only reason why it's legal is so that way the backstreet stuff doesn't
1: happen. Because yes. the
0: backstreet stuff can fucking kill you.
1: And it's going to happen no matter what you believe. Yeah. It's
0: all, it's just better if you make
1: it safe for people. Mm-hmm. Also stay the fuck out of my body. Also that. Like, you can't control other people's actions as much as religious organizations might try. Not all religious organizations, I might add, but the yeah. mainstream U.S. ones. The only ones that the U.S. cares about. The only ones that the U.S. cares about. So, Melissa, now (laughs) that I have brought down the entire tone. uh, (laughs) Yeah, you sure did. I do I don't know if I'm going to make it any better, but. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited then if you're not going to make it better because, one, that makes me feel better about myself. Two, that means that it's probably super terrible and thus very interesting.
0: I don't. It's not great. It's cool. got a funny name, but I'm going to tell you a quick little story about this poor girl who committed
1: suicide. <clears throat> oh. oh, no. Yeah. That's
0: All right, ready for it? Back in May of 2015, 15-year-old Aparna Ramabhadran had died after she and her her friends had made a suicide pact. Uh, The girls were attending the Water Sports Center of SIA, which is the Sports Authority of India, in Apalooza, where they were undergoing training in kayaking
1: and canoeing. That sounds like a party, but like the, the place, like Apalooza sounds like palooza, which sounds like party to me. And then it's just so bad because they killed themselves. Oh, man.
0: Yeah, I don't fully – I was trying to, like, do more research about, like, what the Sports Authority of India really does. And basically, I think it just trains them to compete in, like, sports tournaments. So it's basically, like, all of our sports leagues, but, like, it's where they specifically train to do that rather than being recruited to do it.
1: So it's, like, a center that trains for, like, the Olympics and, like, stuff like that. Yeah,
0: that's basically what I got from it. But I could be wrong because I even went to the website, was really tired last night when I was looking at it. I had a cider and I was kind of not focused and I said, I don't want to look at this anymore. So I closed out the window. Sounds legit. Yeah. Okay. Back to the story. Yes. Yes. Uh, The suicide note that they left suggested that they were led to take their lives because of the pressure they received from the older athletes and trainers. Uh, Three days before the incident, the students are said to have been caught with alcohol and were questioned by staff. And when word had gotten out and spread to the senior athletes, they were teased kind of mercilessly about the incident. Um, A family member of Ramabhadran mentioned the, the abuse that they received from the coaches as well, saying that the girl was hit by her coach two days ago with an oar due to which she could not sit or stand.
1: Oh, However, this—that's yeah. awful. Like, just beat her with a fucking oar.
0: Yeah, that's like what from a she, boat. Yeah, what kind of other oar would it be? She was being, canoeing and kayaking. Come on, put two and two together. I don't know. Um, oh, that sounds so terrible. Like, it's really bad. Um, the warden of the hostel where they were staying denies the accusations of abuse. Um, it's said that the girls consumed the poisonous. Othalanga fruit around 3 p.m. and the girls were rushed to the hospital around 7 p.m. Rambabhadran had died while the three other girls had remained in critical condition at the time of the article. So, this fucking fruit that they ate. Um, the, what is this vicious poisonous fruit that the girls ate? The Otholanga fruit is scientifically known as the Cerbera Odalam, or more medically known as the Suicide Tree but also comically known as the pong pong fruit.
1: The pong
0: pong fruit? Literally, that's what I found in a couple of, like, articles. Pong pong.
1: Like, ping pong, or? I, I... Does that mean something in another language?
0: Probably. I don't know. I don't speak another language.
1: It's probably something awful. Like, it probably means something like the death death fruit. Or something like that. Probably. Like,
0: I think... I don't know if I came across it. It was, like, um... Some of the articles I was uh, reading about it had only called it, um... The Cerberin? Or Cerbera? They only called it Cerbera because of its scientific name. Okay. And it wasn't until I started looking up it being, like, used for, like, murders... Um, I only found suicides because it's... I'll get into it. Um... And it wasn't until then that I found that it was also called the Otholanga fruit and the Pong Pong fruit. Okay. No other place was talking about it. So what does this fruit look like? The fruit of the tree bears a resemblance to a small mango. It's got a fibrous green outer layer that protects like an oval-shaped kernel that's only uh, two centimeters by one and a half centimeters in size. Um, but it's super poisonous. This plant typically grows in India and Southern Asia, typically in coastal areas swamps, and marshes. Symptoms of eating this fruit include burning feeling in the mouth, violent vomiting, difficulty breathing, headache, irregular heartbeat, and finally coma slash death. Oh, great. Yep. Uh, so why is this fruit so deadly? Uh, the Othelanga fruit contains a toxin known as Cerberin, which blocks the calcium ion channels in the heart, which causes an irregular heartbeat. Um, Another reason why it's considered so dangerous is because it's hard to detect in autopsies. and Very easy to hide in food if it's masked by strong spices like curry. Which, seeing that this story in fruit takes place mostly in India, very common.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Why does it go undetected? Well, the testing for the cerberin toxin is very costly and requires a high-performance liquid chromatography... I think I had it right, but I... Okay, take two. <laughs> Testing for the serpent toxin is costly and requires a high-performance liquid chromatography coupled with mass spectrometry and typically... uh, I have no idea what that
1: means. Those are a lot of science words.
0: I... So hardcore science, and I was too tired...
1: That is so to, much science. ...to look up. Chromatography and... Mass spectrometry. Spectrometry and lots of ometries, more cometries, I don't know.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I keep picking things that have, like, hardcore science terms. And, like, I try to look this shit up so that i be like, oh, yeah, so this is what it means. But, like, I got too tired last night. Yeah, so they don't typically test for it in autopsies unless there's evidence that the victim had recently consumed the athalinga fruit. Okay. Um, so it's estimated that this poisonous fruit was used in like 500 fatal cases from 1989 to 1999.
1: Jesus.
0: Yeah. And half of the plant-based poisoning in Kerala, India, overall are connected to the athalinga fruit. However, that is only based on what was reported. And it's possible that the amount could be double that.
1: So are like people just eating it cuz they think that, you know, this looks yummy and it's a mango or No, they, they have to it on know.
0: Purpose? They have to know what it is because it's so fucking fatal, you know? I think most of the people who eat it
1: are intentionally trying to commit suicide. Okay. Because I was wondering if it's just like people who are trying to find food and no are like, oh, Yeah, mangoes. No. Um, also, it's,
0: like, based on what I know, it's, the poisonous part is the kernel seed that kind
1: of resembles a peanut to me. Okay, so the fruit flesh isn't poisonous.
0: Correct. I'm pretty sure that is correct. Because most of the toxic parts of fruits are in the seeds. Like, how the one that smells like almonds, cyanide, is, like, inside, like, um, cherry pits or something.
1: Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. That's terrifying.
0: Oh, girl. I think at one point I might do a segment about, like, everyday fruits that seeds can secretly kill you. Oh, oh, God. Yeah, and then you'll just have to have a, mani- like, mild panic if you eat an apple and you're like, oh, no, I accidentally ate that seed. ha
1: <laughs> I'm so terrified right now.
0: <laughs> Good.
1: Because I've heard of people who eat, like, the corn olive apples. Like, are they okay. going to die?
0: <laughs> no, because you have to eat, like an obscene amount
1: of the seed to die. Okay. You're fine. Okay.
0: Also, people who do that have no fucks given to just go ahead and eat the seeds willy-nilly.
1: I mean, yeah, I think so, but...
0: (laughs) So, I also want to point out that there is a high rate of women who fall victim to the Othelanga fruit poisonings, and of the people who consume the fruit to commit suicide, 70-75% to of those people are women. Which makes you question... Why the hell do they feel obligated to commit suicide so bad?
1: Well, I know from what I have heard and studied before that it's a thing that, like, women whose husbands die in certain religions in that area feel like they have to follow their husbands into death. And so some of them will jump on, like, the funeral pyres for them. So maybe this is a similar thing?
0: Maybe, but, like... There, I haven't found any evidence to support that. And also, "Mm, Or like, I
1: also think that leaving an unhappy marriage, like divorce is very uncommon and frowned upon. And a lot of those are arranged marriages. So maybe that's the only way out that the women see is some sort of suicide. Fair.
0: But if it's like a situation that's similar to Aparna, you just kind of, wonder what kind of abuse that they're suffering so much that they'd rather take their own lives than continue to live.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, that's a common thing in arranged marriages and stuff like that, like that kind of society and culture where marriages are more of a social pact and a monetary gain than they are really about the women caring for their partners and the partners caring for them. Mm Mm-hmm. When the partners see them more as property than they do humans. (laughs) It's like these episode topics kind of went hand in hand. They really did. And we did not plan this. But like
0: yours was for the better. Mine's like, hey, here's a fruit if you want to commit suicide. They won't know what caused the suicide. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, they know. Okay. So this fruit was used. Historically, in 19th century Madagascar, um, so they know it's like a poisonous toxic thing, okay, because they were using it for a trial by ordeal type of thing to determine if someone was guilty of witchcraft. So, like, oh, similar great. to like throwing the woman into the lake to see if she drowned, you know, if she drowns, she's clearly not a witch, but you know, she's dead. It's like if you ate the fruit kernel and then died, you were innocent, and if you ate it and survived, you're a witch and you're gonna die anyway.
1: Oh, great, excellent. Yeah
0: yeah so they know that the fruit is like dangerous and poisonous so it's not like people are just eating it willy-nilly because it's like oh i'm so hungry they probably just like this thing will fucking kill you because after you eat it you typically die within one to two days of consuming it and based on the case of the girl's in the suicide pact they basically died well one of them had died pretty much right away the other three were I never I couldn't find an article saying like an update of the girls conditions but it said one article said that one of the girls was put on a pacemaker to like help counteract the effects of the toxin which makes sense because it blocks the channels in your heart so putting a pacemaker would like help keep the fact that her heart would be going yeah so let's just hope they survived, and then... Until it was out of their system. Yeah. There were going to be investigations of the sports authority place, but I didn't go further into knowing more about that because my focus was on the fruit itself rather than whatever kind of abuse was happening in this sports center.
1: So how are you feeling about that? I feel terrible. Like I feel like there are oh, yeah. people who feel like that's the the only thing that they can do, which is awful. Like, the idea...
0: Yeah, there was also a quick article that I had read where, like, a transgender woman had eaten the fruit to take their life. And and this person was, like, in America. And, like, the person's mother couldn't understand why they had taken their life. They were like, oh, I ate the pong pong fruit. And then they were dead, um, complaining about, like, stomach pains and stuff. So, like, apparently you can just buy this shit online and eat it. But the whole point of one of the articles was to like bring attention to it in the Western cultures, so mm-hmm. that way we can find like a way to like maybe test for it more, in like a, in a more, more cheap cost-effective
1: and, manner, yeah,
0: and just like bring awareness to it in general. So mm-hmm. I guess this is my PSA to let you know about the aethalenga fruit, aka the pong fru- pong pong fruit, will fucking kill you. And if you want to kill yourself, just call the suicide hotline instead. We care about you. And I'll be mad if you commit suicide.
1: Yeah, no, that's not. Yeah, we'll definitely provide a link to the suicide hotline in this description for this episode. Which makes sense because I did talk about suicide. You do talk about suicide. A super heavy topic and one that, you know, I think if it hasn't affected you directly in your life, someone you know has been affected directly by it. I know a few few people who have. And I uh, have known a few people who have unfortunately seen that as the only way to relieve their suffering. So, yeah. I mean, it definitely if you are having suicidal thoughts, reach out and not out to the dark web to get pong pong fruit. Reach out to the suicide hotline. Yeah.
0: Because there are people who care about you regardless of what you tell yourself. Exactly. So now that I've brought that down.
1: Jesus, we're just so
0: depressing today. You, you want to bring it up by looking up a real quick Florida man?
1: Yes, Florida man.
0: Look up a real quick Florida man headline. Oh, man. That's so one yeah. of our tiers on our Patreon.
1: Florida man.
0: What's today's hot, hot, I was going to say hotline, but that's not right. Headline, that's the word.
1: There is a website called Florida Daily. <laughs> So uh, one of the best for headlines for April of this year so far, Mm -hmm. we have Florida man charged with breach of peace after allegedly allegedly threatening to unleash turtle army on the public, disrupting a police station, cursing at 7-Eleven customers. I'm very
0: intrigued about this turtle army, though. Is it is he like hoping for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Oh, we will see. Ninja moves.
1: That would be really cool.
0: <laughs> Maybe or, he's like,
1: <sighs> training turtles to be attack turtles.
0: I feel like you could run away pretty fast from a turtle, but that's my personal opinion. Maybe they're just really fast turtles. What kind of turtles are they? Are they like the dangerous snapping turtles? Because like once they got a grip on you, they are not fucking letting go.
1: I'm assuming it's the ones that are like in the East Coast, which aren't particularly fast like sea turtles. Here is my army of sea turtles. They don't move very fast on land. <laughs> but they are so fast
0: in the water. Watch out, man. Also, stop using plastic straws and hurting my
1: sea turtle army. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thomas Lane, 61 of india Atlantic, was charged with breach of peace and misusing 911 and resisting an officer without violence, according to Brevard County Sheriff's Office and News 13. Lane was arrested after reports that he made multiple threats at various locations along the boardwalk of Indie Atlantic near Melbourne Beach, allegedly calling himself The Saint and threatening people by saying his turtle army will destroy them. I just want to see that happen. What I'm, like, appalled by is the fact that he's 61. Usually these are people in, like, their early 30s, late 20s who are just really hopped up on drugs. He's 61. He should know better at this point. This
0: is what my brother sent me. Florida man claims that he only drank at stoplights, not while driving.
1: Look at this old, old man. That was legal, like, back in the day. My dad remembers whenever it was legal to have alcohol in the car as long as you weren't drinking while you were driving. What the fuck, Florida? Well, no, he's from Ohio. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sorry, I forgot that. Yeah, my dad's from Ohio. But he had a car that he put a keg in the back of. Your dad would like, do that. converted the trunk to put a keg in, a pony keg, and a tap attached to the trunk so they could go party. <laughs> and uh, they drove the car to a sports ball game, some football game of some sort, <laughs> and, <laughs> and didn't realize, because they were really dumb jocks, that you know, by driving the pony keg in the back of the car. Oh, no! It sloshed around everywhere and became just pure foam. (laughs) So they were like, we're going to save so much money by buying this pony keg and, like, lining the back of the trunk so the water didn't seep out and putting a bunch of ice in there and stuff like that. And then spent all this time making a tap attached to this fucking car. (laughs) And they're like, we're so great. And then whenever they got to there, it was full of foam. And they just got foam anyways and saved no money because then they spent the whole game buying beer. And then had to, like, just sit in the parking lot and wait for the foam to go down. And then they could drink their beer that they spent money on for the pony keg. <laughs> All right,
0: folks, there's your life lesson. Um, Do not put kegs in the back of your vehicle. Maybe it will just turn into foam.
1: Yeah, unless you put it in something like that's like a zero gravity thing where it's not going to slosh around. It's going to be like an owl where you like move them around and their head stays center.
0: (laughs) 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 All right. So that concludes our week's episode
1: of That's Fucked. Corey, where can I find us? You can find us on Facebook at That's Fucked Podcast and that's Fucked F-C-K-E-D because Mm -hmm. profanity is a no-no in basically everywhere. You can also find us on Spotify under That's (laughs) Fucked Podcast as well as Apple Podcast as That's Fucked. And if you drop by Apple Podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. They really, really do help for us to show up in searches. And we would love to hear from you and your beautiful thoughts and opinions. Unless they're bad, then, you know. Then just tell us your favorite color. Tell us your favorite color. Buddy Elf, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? Oh, my favorite color is blue. Like a light blue with a little bit of green in it. I like the darker
0: shades, blues and like purples. Purples are nice. I know you
1: like purples. Yeah, you're a big purples
0: purple person. Purples purple, purples purple. Purpuration. Words are purples
1: purple.
0: See you next week <laughs> or whenever we do this again.
1: I was not done. I'm sorry. Cut you. You that out. Find us on Instagram at That's Fucked Podcast, where it is poppin', as I said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> the look on melissa's face she's just so done with my bullshit you ready to do a sign off this has been melissa's Curdy, and i've been Corey blythe and that was fucked, fucked. The music is by daniel j pepin he can be found on itunes amazon prime and spotify Also, so happens to be my boyfriend, so, uh, thanks, babe.